Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Today's guest was a wealth of knowledge and we spent nearly an hour and 20 minutes with him chatting about the industry. And for that reason, we're making it a two-parter episode. Keep listening for the first part of this wonderful interview and then look out for the second part in the next two weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, new year, new awesome, new decade. We are back. So we're not going with new year, new me this year or this decade? No. No. Yeah, no. okay. I like that. Because <laughs> we've been fabulous before and we're going to keep on being fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, that's my partner in influence, Anne Dolly. And how are you? I'm good. I'm excited for the new year. I feel like we've all had a good break and I hope our listeners did too. So the creative juices are flowing. Yeah. I'm feeling energetic. It's exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And as usual, we've got a special guest. But what makes this one a bit more special is that it's an international guest. And so we are starting off the year with a bang. I'm excited. Andrew, how are you? Good. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, no, no pressure. No pressure at all. Thank you so much for carving out time to join us and our listeners and to take us through your experiences with this phenomenal industry called influencer marketing. Uh, you are a jet setter. Which part of the world are you catching us from? Today, I'm in uh, Southeast Asia in Thailand. All right. Oh, I hope you're on a beach. That's where I want to be right now. Yeah. So, no, so, I'm literally looking at a mountain right now. A hazy <laughs> oh, wow. mountain. Whoa, I'm man. the complete opposite of beaches. I'm usually, I spend a lot of time in Bali. Yeah. In influencers paradise. Yeah. All right. And, uh, and so I, I change it up a little bit with sitting in the mountains of, of northern Thailand. All right. How wonderful. My view is of Sinti. It's not as nice as the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, since you are a very handsome man. I'll, I'll put on a, 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 a wig next time, so don't <laughs> worry about it. Maybe it'll be more exciting. So, so a little bit. A ghillie suit. She'll think she's next to a Oh, man. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just a quick rundown of who Andrew Camphy is. He fences himself as a growth hacker mm -hmm. and as a driving force when it comes to educating marketers the world over about the ins and outs and all the workings of influencer marketing. He is founder of a very big publication called Influence Weekly, and it's very popular. Uh, and also, he is the author of Influencer's Guide to Bali. He just spoke about it being an influencer's paradise. Uh, he's done so many things, and today he's going to take us into his world and see if there's a connection to our world, but all connected with influencer marketing. Andrew Comfy, welcome, and thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really exciting. I have conversations every week with readers and, and agencies. Okay. Um, awesome. Not all of them are recorded. All right. <laughs> um, this one is. Oh, all right. So let's jump straight into it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you into uh, a career in growth hacker marketing and specifically in influencer marketing? Uh, yeah. It's a very long story. We don't have enough time for it. Maybe I'll write it for one day. We'll All do right. a follow-up. We'll, we'll do come follow through up. to Bali. Don't worry. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to reverse engineer the last 
few years. Um, two years ago, I started the newsletter, Influence Weekly, and I started that because I was working in the industry. I was actually doing pricing and analytics for an influencer agency. Okay. okay. Um, and I had only been doing that for about a year. I'd done some campaigns. I'd seen them through. I had literally looked at the profit margins and the um, information stack, right? Like pretty basic information, the amount of money uh, influencers are asking to be paid and how much money the marketers are spending. And then we're mm -hmm. sitting, an agency sitting right there in the middle. And I saw that firsthand. And I thought, well, two things. One, I wanted to know if what we, what we were doing was correct. Yeah. And two, I wanted to see what else is there, like what other um, examples are there of influencer marketing. We were doing a very specific thing. Um, in fact, it's getting actually hot now. So the very first campaign I ever did was on YouTube, and it was a quarter million dollar campaign for a, t uh, a movie oh, wow. release. Okay. And then over a course of about a year, we were working on Musical.ly before it became TikTok. Yeah, this was, this was three years ago, um, and now TikTok's all the rage. But with like, yeah, the youngsters, <laughs> I, I knew about this two years ago. Amazing, um, but I didn't. I didn't realize at the time, you know, before I started the newsletter, that people didn't know about this. I thought, you know, marketers were sort of on the cutting edge, mm. and in fact, I found out we're sort of we have to trade information. We have to share information in order to learn. Um, and I literally was trying to learn and I ended up with about 70 sources of like agency blogs and these like weird reports from all cross like consumer reports, um, internet trend reports. And I was like, these are all helping me understand the wider um, reality that exists of internet commerce users creators and i was like well what what mechanism could i have for like helping others through this um and originally the very first issue was like a was data reports from the past year and it very quickly morphed into like within weeks of a weekly digest of what is the most interesting stuff that week right. um my editorial thesis has not changed since then everything i put in the newsletter is data informed even yeah. if that's qualitative or quantitative data, even if it's an interview with someone with empirical data of one person's perspective, that's data. It's not opinions. It's just like, here's what I did. And then uh, positive. So it has to be a net positive for the industry. I, I actually refuse to run a lot of articles that maybe you even that go viral that are like, this influencer couldn't sell 36 shirts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I refuse to run that stuff because A, it's already in the zeitgeist. Like people yeah. are already... Then know about, about it. it. Yeah. Shared it with you. And it's a net negative for the industry when the word influencer is used in that way. Um, and I understand that because it has been in the last year or so. Sometimes when you say the word influencer, people kind of roll their eyes because it has been a bit tainted. But do you not think discussing someone who wasn't able to sell the 36 t shirts wasn't really because of. Um, the, the influencer industry, but more that she was popular versus not being an influencer and, and have a positive spin on that. Um, well, the article is actually really funny because if you if you read through it, she, she explains herself why it failed. And A, she's <laughs> like, yeah, I haven't posted in a long time. Mm. Like she, she has seen her engagement go down like a lot 
and like is is sort of faint only faintly and like the followers she has are cumulative right yeah. and this is an this is an industry problem that is still yet to be solved but True. the engagement rate is is a measurement between a momentary time like uh, uh activity right likes versus a cumulative number which is your your follower count yeah that is a problem right your that number will infinitely go down well, forever. That that was two words. <laughs> Every year, that number engagement rate will go down. And so, like sure. the article last year, there was um, like influencers are done because engagement rate is lowering. I'm like, that's those yeah. two numbers. That ratio will always go down. Yeah, and it's not really that cause and effect thing. <laughs> right. And so she said. So a she said that her engagement rate is down way below. And then also yeah. she's unengaging. She's like, yeah, I haven't really posted much good stuff in a while. And then third, the what she was trying to do was use influencer marketing. And this is gonna sound really weird. Yeah. But influencers are some of the worst people to execute influencer marketing. Well, it really takes yeah. a market. That's why we have agencies to do it, right? Somebody had to say it. Exactly. Like two years ago when I started this newsletter, I honestly thought like there was going to be someone to disintermediate agencies, meaning cut out the middleman. Yeah, it's impossible. I was working in an agency and I was like, this is terrible. (laughs) But like over the two years of learning more and more and seeing good examples of campaigns, sharing them, hearing, you know, what are the positive effects of influencer marketing? What are different types of returns, not just sales, but like brand awareness and and, um, brand lift and, you know, uh, these good effects that all are a return on your investment. I'm like, I have fallen in love with influencer marketing. 100%. Same (laughs) here. Do you know know the like phrase of like uh, people talk about art? They're like, oh, you think you you know what you love but in reality you love what you know Ooh, yeah. that is so true so i over the last two years of share like i literally read a hundred articles every single week and out of that i get about 10 to 20 that go in the newsletter mm. i read every single one of them and uh various amount of times i've iterated different formats but right now i'm summarizing every single one of them i give you the key takeaways right there in the new- yeah. newsletter so you don't have to read it, yeah. um, but I always include three or four articles each week, and it astounds me that there's still, to this day, like still 15 to 20, and in fact, there's more and more great examples and great articles every single week. It astounds me. Literally, like six months in, I was like, this is going to run out. There can't be this much like interesting information, and literally every week, there's more and more. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so Andrew, I know um, you're obviously very passionate about the industry and um, you refer to yourself as a growth hacker as well. I kind of know what that is, but I'm not 100% sure. Can you explain to us what it is and what it kind of entails? So the original um, usage of the word, so growth hacker has gotten a little bit of a bad rap, just like influencer has. Oh, yeah. like influencer, influencer was literally, like, nobody mentions this, but it used to be it's bloggers yes bloggers used to be called bloggers because they would blog correct but the word blogger got a bad reputation like pr agencies were like oh we need to get a bunch of bloggers yep. and so they they themselves said no let's call ourselves influencers and now influencers are getting a bad rap <laughs> um what's the next I name why. 
now, I mean, there, now, I th thankfully, there's like 50 other words you can say. Yeah. Like YouTuber, TikToker, creator. <laughs> um, like, I actually wrote a, a, a half, half funny or half comedic um, list of 50 other words for influencers and some are like content creator or like in, um, impactor. Content like, yeah. creator is the favorite one in South Africa at the moment. So we're seeing that all the time. But I haven't heard about Impactor. What does that even no, mean? I, I just <laughs> that up. <laughs> so what does Growth Hacker mean? What so, is... so the original um, word Growth Hacker meant a half marketer, half engineer, like software engineer. Okay. So it was a, it was a, now I forget who the, the, the guy's name, but it's literally there was a one person, one man who he, his role in the com a startup that he was in, and it's a popular startup that we all know, and I can't remember the name of it now. Oh, man. But what he did was he was an engineer, like a software engineer, and he was in charge of like this part of the product, a part of a product, and he was also a marketer. and And he realized like changing this part of the product, yeah, could increase increase the number of signups. So mm -hmm. okay. the idea of Growth Hacker A. One you could you can use the original it's just like someone who's an, a software engineer and a marketer. Okay. Um, it's gotten a little bit um, not jaded. Uh, what's the word? But like morphed around. Where mm -hmm. I think of it as someone who uses whatever platform. Like I and I call myself actually a social media growth hacker. So uh -huh. specifically on social media, um, using the product itself. Or some features of the product, right? If it's Instagram, using some part of Instagram, or if it's YouTube, using some part of some facet, right? Is it optimizing titles, thumbnails, keywords? Is it on, on Instagram? Are you optimizing your hashtags? Are you um, doing some action um, more than others, and using that action to drive, put you in front of people who don't know you exist, and getting you more followers? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. But you're, hack you're hacking growth. You're not doing it in a traditional sense. You're, yes. You're, you're getting growth, but you're doing it in a way where, um, and, and the simplest way I can say this is, um, or simplest example I can give you is exactly what I did for five years, which was um, using actions that a single account can do to get in front of people. So that's follows, that's likes, it's comments. Mm -hmm. and right. optimizing those to be human-like. Like not doing it in a way to trick people in any way. Um, one is, are you searching for the right people? Like, are you finding people? There's some indication on Instagram by the way that people post, like, comment, and follow. You can figure out what kind of things they like. And if you can find, if you say, I was a travel Instagrammer, actually travel Twitter, and I found people who were interested in similar people than me. Yeah, and I grew my account to like over a hundred thousand followers in a year. Amazing. Right. So yeah. then, where does influence marketing fit in with growth hacker marketing? Right. So this is like just a very personal journey of mine. Mm -hmm. But I um, now six years, five years ago, um, I was like trying to get a job in LA in Los Angeles in TV and film, and I found out that a producer who I respected her work. She um, used Twitter and YouTube to build a following, and that's how she's getting meetings to pitch shows. Oh, amazing. Okay. That's she awesome, was actually man. the one who told me, like, the three sort of basic ideas, like, find people that may like what you're doing by some indication and go and, and, and interact with them, right? Follow them, 
comment, like do all these things and do that a lot. Like literally we were doing mm-hmm. somewhere between a hundred and 500 actions a day. Oh, wow. And I was gaining, you know, two, I, I could gain other people two to 5,000 new followers a month. Just through Oof. engagement basically. Yeah. This, and, this practice wow. absolutely doesn't work anymore. Instagram no. <laughs> stopped it. Yeah. Um, literally a year ago. And so what happened was a lot of my clients, so I, I ended up having a growth agency where I was helping people grow two to 5,000 new followers a month. And the number one question everyone was asking me was how do I grow? So yep. I was answering it by doing it for them. The second most common question was how do I make money off of this? How do I monetize? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started having these answers of like, well, here's these agencies that can get you money. Yeah. Five years ago, now the list is different. But of five course. years ago, there was maybe 50 ways to make money online. Yeah. Now, now there's like well over 150. Like you don't have to do influencer marketing, but it just so happened that of all the ways to make money five years ago, like influencer marketing was a possibility. There were agencies doing these brand deals. There's Marketplace, yep. Famebit, Thomason. Um, there's these market popular pays was still around like I think three yeah. or four years ago. And that was my first foray into influencer marketing. And then I got that job working at the agency because I was just like good at Google Sheets. I was, I was um, working at this TV network and my boss was like, or not my boss, actually someone else was like, hey, we need Google Sheets for this campaign. And I started making these analytical and, and campaign management tools in Google Sheets for us. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was my foray into the agency side. So already I had already I had already made a few hundred bucks from my accounts. I even like monetized a YouTube account that had like less than a thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. I had made, I did a few posts even on Twitter and Instagram for a hotel in uh, Barcelona. Like I was an international like making a few hundred bucks to pay rent kind of thing. Very cool. <laughs> Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor. But did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency and that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and her team are experts in the field and they've spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, it might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast, and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. So, Andrew, there's obviously been some tectonic shifts in the industry in, in recent times. In your opinion, what have these shifts been and how do they impact industry this year and and beyond? Um, I mean, the colloquial the sort of common th- things, I think, at least in the industry we point to, and maybe I'm wrong, um, but I mean, this year or the last few months, Instagram is hiding likes. Yes. We are definitely um, discussing that yeah. coming up. Then um, just before that or just around that, I mean, each platform is getting their own um, branded content platform within like uh, Facebook brand collabs platform. 
TikTok has their own now um, that you can connect with creators on TikTok. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Twitter and YouTube both bought marketplaces, niche for Twitter, and then Famebit was bought by YouTube. That seemed at the time to be a shift, but ultimately is not. Um, I think a lot of what we think at the moment are these like grand points in time end up being sort of less impactful than anything else. I think the trend over the last three or four years seems to be just a more and more people doing influencer marketing to influencer marketing, having more um, capabilities because of the ways that you can track things now. Um, Two years ago, the number one challenge was like, how do we measure it now? It's like, (laughs) now we can measure, but like, just people want to put a blinder of like, that's not real measurement. Um, it's sort of an educational problem now. Yeah. Not 100%. a measurement problem anymore. Um, maybe I think the biggest challenge may be that it is too pervasive. Um, it is in everything. Influencer marketing can be a part of every single marketing campaign or advertisement campaign. Yeah. Um, and I see the, and maybe this wasn't the question, but I'll have an, this is an, an answer. Sure. The number one biggest change this year in the industry is whitelisting or dark posts. Um, I think that that is a, a, a potential, but it also is a, 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 a challenge. Do you maybe want to just explain to our listeners what whitelisting and dark posting is? Yeah. Um, so when a, on a normal influencer can, which actually we could probably explain, I could probably explain what I think, I think influencer marketing is because a lot of people think different things. Yeah. Um, but let me answer this question first. Um, <laughs> dark posts and whitelistings are the, as far as I know, are the same thing where an influencer or content creator makes some piece of content on a platform and, and in particular Instagram, okay. um, they make a post, they, they can post it on their own account or what they can do is, is essentially put it in their ads manager. And when mm-hmm. they do that, it becomes an ad f- and a brand, what um, a company can do can log into Facebook ad manager, ask for permission from the creator to get access to their account. They agree to it. And then they pay money to Facebook or Instagram to yep. run that piece of content as an ad. Um, the reason for this is a content creator or influencer content performs way better on engagement, every engagement metric 100%. than brand content. Yeah. Um, and two, um, uh, this sounds terrible, but they have more control. They can do target better. Uh, they All can right. run it for the amount of time they want to. Typically, um, let's say an Instagram post will only, it's, it's 80 to 90% of its worth is in the first 24 hours to a week. Yep. Max, um, even less 24 hours for sto- Instagram stories. So that piece of content, yes, it lives for quote unquote ever, or the influencer has an agreement to keep it up for every branded piece of content up for a year. Yeah. But its impact is lessened because it just sits there. Nobody's really going to that much anymore. So an ad can run six months to a year with full, fully backed um, payment. I love that because it is that user-generated content and that relevancy um, in the brand space, which is great. Right, and but I think it's problematic. I have problems with it, but like 
every application of influencer marketing has problems, right? Of course, it has challenges of course. and opportunities. <laughs> Um, I just want to pivot a little bit to to strategy. Um, I think in the past, especially when influence marketing started becoming quite popular, and in South Africa, we still see some brands do it now, where they just kind of use influence marketing as a tactic instead of actually having proper strategy behind it. So we'll see them going, okay, we've got this big marketing drive, we've got a new launch, um, let's just send people or 10 people product and hope and pray they post something which I don't think is really influencer marketing. You're giving people things yeah. for free and they can choose whether they, they even give you a mention, right? But right. now the channels obviously become really legitimate marketing channel, especially in South Africa. People have started seeing the relevance in it and, and kind of what it can do for them. So with that happening, um, with your your vast experience, obviously, all over the world, do you think these days brands are taking strategy a bit more seriously at least and kind of um, want to use it to safeguard their huge investment into the channel? Um, I may have like an unconventional answer to this because I don't believe that every every product or every sellable item or service should be doing influencer marketing. Oh, I agree with you on that. But I, and, and in, in the same exact breath, I'm not taking a breath in. <laughs> I, think that, I think that influencer marketing is useful for everyone yes. in some capacity. Yes. Um, so what we always do is when we look at brands and they come to us for advice, we'd always say, give us an overview of your other marketing activities and what the product is and where it falls yeah. in, in your kind of spectrum of products. and. Some are obviously hero products that we're saying, absolutely, let's go hard. And others we say, let's just support it on the side, you know? Right. So one of the, A, the hardest challenges with like covering influencer marketing, but also one of the reasons why I love it is because uh, there's a lot of flavors, right? Yes. There's um, all the way at the top sort of, so let's call it like celebrity endorsement, right? You're just yeah. paying someone and, and the, the two actions, right? You can pay someone, or they are already a uh, they're already a consumer of yours, yeah. and then you just give them like an um, a unique experience. Correct. Right. That could be as simple as sending them something early. Right. You're not paying them. Yeah. You're not even explicitly giving them something for free. If it's a product they're already paying for, you just send it to them early. Um, but that's still some type of partnership. Yeah. And it's with an influencer, you're giving them special treatment. There's something there and that can be considered influencer marketing. Of course. Um, all the way down to just like a brand ambassador program. Like you can also do creative campaigns or not. Um, there's a lot of always on programs where a brand will be like, hey, sign up for our newsletter and we'll send you coupons. Sure. Is yeah. that influencer marketing? You, should, you could probably call it more like brand ambassadorship or like yeah um consumer engagement like people are already buying your product and you're just engaging them more but it still falls under influence marketing so with us we generally that falls with our nano influencer programs where people are already brand fans we know they enjoy the products and then we kind of onboard them into campaigns because it's authentic they already like the product mm -hmm. we just kind of saying well yeah there you go yeah, and I have a very unique and almost privileged uh, viewpoint because currently I'm not like executing campaigns day to day, and I I see a lot of 
examples of influencer marketing every week. So I have sort of a wider viewpoint yeah. of the entire industry. And I, I think that a, it, it should be used as a tactic first. Like if you have a, a thing you're already doing and you want to, um, uh, push it further, yeah. um, you should definitely try influencers. Um, but I also see that like it, it is a strategic move you can do and you should strategize over, um, which tactics are you going to use? Because yeah. yeah, that was my also, point. I was like, even if you want to use a tactic, you still need to have some kind of strategy behind that. And that strategy could be a different marketing strategy. So like we, exactly. I did, uh, I did a lot of um, movie release uh, campaigns. Yeah. And okay. one of the things we did was not even just around the release of the movie, but around the trailer. And all we did was a social halo. And I thought that was a great application of influencers because um, it wasn't necessarily getting people who have large followings. It was truly looking at the impact of the individuals looking for celebrities and people around the ethos of the movie. It was a very mission driven movie at the time. And all they literally, all they had to do was retweet with their own excitement about this movie. Okay. That's, right. That was the whole campaign. Yeah. How would you um, find these people that kind of live the ethos? So we, I mean, this is very much uh, unique to the agency that I was working at, and okay. I didn't realize it was unique until I started seeing how other people execute influencer marketing. But this is how they and we executed influencer marketing, and I still think it's one of the best ways. We took whatever the the movie was, mm -hmm. and in the, and in anyone else's case, it could be um, a product. We looked at who are the users of that product or who are who mm -hmm. are the people that are mainly going to go watch that movie or should watch that movie. And the first thing we did, we didn't look for influencers first. We looked for what do they consume? Where do they spend time? Mm -hmm. um, do they spend time on Twitter? Do they spend time on Facebook? Do they spend time on YouTube? Yeah. And if so, what do they watch? Not thinking like how do we – we didn't think at first how do we tie in this movie to like influencer content. We first just looked at – what do they consume? Mm -hmm. And like the very first campaign I ever worked on was for Kung Fu Panda 3. I don't know uh, if you ever saw that movie. Yeah, Cost me deep. <laughs> so, so you wouldn't have seen this, the influencer campaign because specifically the strategy or the targeting was for 12 to 15 year olds um, and ideally male. And this was okay. like three years ago, which yeah. at the time, what do 12 to 15 year old boys do with their time they play games yeah yeah what, what is the number one game for 12 to 15 year old boys it was minecraft okay and so most of their time on online channels is either talking about or seeing content about minecraft so what we did is we created a minecraft um uh server that that like a playable thing with three games and it looked like panda valley okay. and then we went to youtubers that were literally 25 of the top 50 YouTubers that do Minecraft videos already and they do like I don't know I didn't realize this until I saw this stuff But mm. they do like 30 minute to hour-long YouTube videos playing Minecraft. Oh, wow oh, man. <laughs> And these channels are getting hundreds of thousands of views and you look at like share of voice we got within a month we We got pretty much like half of all of the views of Minecraft videos. Oh, wonderful. And all we did was do one video with each of these creators, right? Twenty. We ended up doing 25 videos. 
Um, and all they did was do exactly what they had already done, right? Yeah. yeah. Play Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> and just talk about how excited they are about this movie. So they didn't have to lie. They didn't have to say, I saw this movie. No, exactly. They didn't have yeah. to say, you must go see this movie. They just said, I'm sure. playing this game. That looks like Panda Valley. Yeah. Mm. I'm excited to go see it. So for me, that also is like the power of data, which you get when you work with credible agencies who has that access and the capability to actually analyze that, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's data informed, right? It's not yeah. data yeah. driven. It's like, no, you exactly. have to have a creative spark, right? The, the power course. and magic of influencer marketing shows up when a brand and an influencer come together and create something that neither could have done alone. No, exactly. 100% yeah. agree. So you, you've been giving us a glimpse into some of the awesome campaigns you've worked on. Um, and I'm going to take a baton from the line of questioning uh, and brought into the forum. So what have been some of your most favorite campaigns and what strategy, anchor strategy, was behind them? Um, I don't know the strategy behind it, but you can see all of the examples. Last year, 2019, I think the number one best campaign that I can recall is um, Mr. Beast did Team Trees. Did you see teamtrees.org? Okay. Taking notes. Do you know that? Yeah, we're writing it down because yeah. we have no clue. <laughs> Okay, so, so this is a YouTube. So it started as a YouTube video. Okay. On Mr. Beast is. I don't know if you know the YouTuber Mr. Beast. No. no. So he he does these crazy challenges slash um, giveaways where like he'll give a hundred thousand dollars to a homeless guy. Oh wow! Or okay. Amazing. He bought a house for a pizza delivery guy. Um, That's amazing, man. Yes, yeah. very amazing. Yeah. Obviously loaded. I, well, from YouTube. <laughs> Oh, wow. We should have gotten into I think somebody YouTube. looked at all of his videos in 2019 and every video he made got over yeah. 10 million views. Oh, fantastic. I'm definitely going to go check him out. And so what he did, so this was an influencer-driven and created campaign. This okay. is not a, it wasn't the Arbor Day Foundation saying, hey, we're going to do this. This was actually Mr. B saying, I want to plant 20 million trees. What do I have to do to do that? He has to donate $20 million to the Arbor Day Foundation. Okay. All right. So what he did is he, he got him and 600 YouTubers to make videos asking people to donate money to get to 20 million. They yeah. got it. They got it within t two months. Jeez. Um, what, what's fantastic about this is, A, it was Mr. Beast who came up with it himself. Um, two, it was cause-based, which I've seen a lot more cause-based stuff. Yeah. Three, um, do you remember the ice bucket challenge? Of yeah. course. It was so annoying at some point. Because <laughs> people lost sight of what it actually was. It was all about you. And then just started dunking us all over. And you're like, do you actually know why you're doing this? Do you remember? Well, yeah. Do you remember the, the why it got viral? It oh, why it got viral? I'm not too sure. Well, it was because the mechanism was you could donate money to ALS research yes. or dump a bucket of ice on your head. Yes, and a lot of people thought it was funny just to dunk buckets of water over yeah. everyone. Right. <laughs> well, you know, that actually ended up over five years getting $115 million oh, to ALS. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize. Right. It, it was a success. It was a Huge great, success. great success. But come, think of these numbers, right? It took five years to get $115 million. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Mr. Beast and 600 YouTubers got $20 million in two months. It's insane. Yeah. And and so in your opinion, what is the hallmark of um, a successful influencer marketing campaign? 
taking into cognizance all of those factors we've been discussing in the last couple of seconds? Um, it, it's it's um, it's meeting your KPIs, right? Your key performance indicator. Every yeah. single campaign is different. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, if if I was I was doing movie releases and we had to just get views on a trailer, mm-hmm. that was our metric of yeah. success. Yeah. But some many people, direct consumer brands, um, consumer um, product brands need sales. Like, does yeah. this drive yeah. sales? Um, and in in that case, ROI or return on investment is um, is really a return on ad spend, right? The same Correct. thing on 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 Facebook and Instagram ads. You have how much money do you put in? Yeah. How many people see that ad? Then how many conversions do you have? And then how much money do you get in sales? Yeah. And typically, I don't know if this is country specific. Maybe it is, but you really want to aim for a um, minimum of 3x. So you want to get three times your return, the conversion, okay. get your revenue. And in getting, you know, if that's the case, then that means you're spending 33% of your revenue on marketing, which sure. is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's doable. You're not going to go out of business in that case if your margins are good. But you really want to see, you know, five, six, Seven, eight, ten x your return on ad spend. Yeah, that's why Facebook ads are doing super well. Those four yeah. metrics, you, you can see those on Facebook. You can say, here's how much money I spent. Here's uh, how many people saw that ad. Here's how many people um, converted conversions, and then here's how much money I make. And if yeah. you see those four numbers, you can measure if it's a success or not with any yeah. um, amount. Of- and I think the important thing to take from that is as well that it is important to set KPIs. Um, and measurements in the beginning of campaigns. Because what we see a lot of the time as well, when we speak to marketers in South Africa, when they say, oh, I don't like influence marketing, it doesn't work for me, and you start probing and asking them, but what was your objectives? What was your KPIs? Um, They kind of stare at you blankly. Well, we got 20,000 likes, but was that your objective? And because if you don't know what success looks like, how will you achieve it? Even if it stares you in the face, yeah. No, exactly. Right. Um, I mean, another one that a lot of people sort of mistake as sort of a, uh, a secondary um, a secondary KPI, but could be your main KPI is brand lift. No, exactly. Like, yeah. do you, does your brand now have better recognition than your competitor? No, exactly. There's some there's some mega companies that if you increase if you increase sales by one percent, you're making them a billion dollars. How wonderful! Yeah. And it's doable. Thank you for tuning in to the first part of our very interesting conversation with Andrew Kempfey. Make sure to tune in two weeks from now for the second and final part of this interview.